Hello and welcome to a Rocker Something podcast. I'm Sergeant Grant Ligon. Today's topic is the neurovirus, influenza virus, and methods of prevention. Today I'm joined with two guests. If you could go ahead and introduce yourselves, please. I'll go first. My name is Captain Eric Samuel and I'm the clinic OIC of Task Force Med. My name's Captain Joshua Oliver. I'm the brigade surgeon for Task Force Med. Okay, awesome. So we'll get right into it. So um, since I've got here, I'm walking around in the dining facility, um, I've noticed the neurovirus signs that are around um, kind of near um, the entrance, and I had never heard of the neurovirus. So what exactly is the neurovirus? And well, that's pretty easy. The neurovirus is a virus. <laughs> it's it's name it, what it is it's in the name you know um, there's about 33 of them that can cause what we like to call the stomach flu but to doctors it's known as the norovirus um, and you can get symptoms such as nausea vomiting vomiting abdominal pain and, and diarrhea all from this thing that we call the stomach bug so that's a good description of it but I think a visual is helpful um, and if you were to like Google um, images norovirus you would get a picture of a stick figure on its hands and knees with fluid spraying out of its bottom and out of its mouth uh, because if you have the norovirus that's a realistic depiction for about a week where you're having to make a decision in a split second like which end goes in the toilet which end goes in the garbage can like that's just it's there's screaming involved it's it's unpleasant um, so is it is it kind of I guess from a younger age I would have um, heard stomach bug is it kind of similar to that that's what it is yeah, yeah. stomach bug um, but it's intense stomach flu okay. norovirus same thing okay and is it is it pretty quick like it passes the same I guess when I think stomach bug normally I think food poisoning I think yeah so different than food poisoning okay. food poisoning is usually like you eat whatever the thing was that you shouldn't have eaten um, and symptoms come on in six to twelve hours and you're done in usually 24 hours, right? Norovirus uh, is usually more like a week, um, and it spreads really rapidly. Like, you stop me if I'm getting ahead of the playhead here. No, no, you're no. Good. All right. Um, the big thing to know about it is, in my mind, is how do you get it, and how potent is norovirus? Um, <clears throat> you basically, the route you get it from is called fecal-oral. Uh, and I'm not being graphic, that's literally you get it from eating poop. Um, and it's not like you sit down at a plate of poop with a fork and a knife and you cut up a piece of poop and put it in your mouth. It's, you know, I'm just going to do a little bit of role playing. Um, it, it, not, like I'm going to describe what, like, what's, what's going on. Like, say I'm a jerk and I go to take a dump and I um, manage not to poke my finger through the toilet paper and touch my butthole. I manage somehow to do that with the toilet paper here uh, on Camp Pond Steel. Uh, and then even I don't think I need to wash my hands afterwards. But what I don't know is that there's a tiny, like microscopic piece of poop on my finger um, uh, that I can't see or smell or taste. That's but because I don't wash my hands after I get done with this poop, I because um, I'm a jerk, not really. But if I were to do that, <laughs> right. I then touch a door handle on the way out of the bathroom. Um, and even if I'm not headed to the defect afterwards, the next person 
Captain Samuel behind me, who wash their hands after they take their their poop uh, and because they're a responsible individual. It doesn't matter because I still touch the same door handle that they did. So now they have that microscopic piece of norovirus on them. And I'm, I might not be symptomatic yet, but it still is there. And then he goes and he touches the door handle of the defect, the, the first door to the defect. Um, and then again, he goes and washes his hands again. Uh, but somebody else comes behind them who's like, well, I just wash my hands in the bathroom. I don't have to wash my hands when I go into the defect. So they go through both doors. So now they've taken that microscopic speck of norovirus into the defect, and they're a healthy person, despite not washing their hands. So they go to the salad bar, and they've touched everything in the salad bar. And now you effectively spread norovirus with a tiny, minuscule speck of poop that no one can see, smell, or taste. Uh, and that's how you get an outbreak of, of norovirus. So talk about, you said, so that's just, say, a soldier going, um, doing that and then going to the defect. So talk about how detrimental, let's say, one of the cooks. Oh, it would, it would be, it would be hugely detrimental. Yeah. They have, they have the ability to, to take hundreds, if not thousands of people. Can I just clarify, we're not saying that the cooks do Right. This. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, no, absolutely. But, uh, so every year, literally every year, maybe a couple times a year, you're heal about a cruise ship that, uh, can't and it's not allowed to disembark at a at a, a tourist destination because literally 10% of the population of the cruise ship it has norovirus and they won't let them go um, into the you know whatever there is they're doing um, for their little ex excursion for the day. But to answer your question, it, it would it would be huge. You'd, you'd make hundreds, if not thousands, of people sick. Not necessarily here. You yeah. would, you could you would possibly knock out 10% of the population of Camp Bonsteel before we figured out what was going on. And you mean just sickness, not death? Like not, this not, death. Okay. not death. Okay. Like, like the only people yeah. who would die from this or people who we couldn't hydrate appropriately, so kids, like little kids, like under a year, and old people, like over 65-year-olds that are unhealthy to begin with. This population, we'd be able to hydrate them appropriately, but they would be out of the fight, air quotes that you can't see because it's radio, uh, uh, for about a week. Okay. Yeah. And then, so we'll stop right there. We kind of got into the neurovirus, um, just what it is, and then also the causes. So I want to do the same thing with influenza virus. Sure. So what is what is the influenza virus? Uh, it's another virus. Shocker. <laughs> um, and there's, uh, stop me if I'm wrong, there's two kinds of flu virus, right? A and B? Right. Two. And multiple strains of each of those. Yeah. And it's usually seasonal, so you're going to see it most from November to January-ish. Um, and this is the kind of virus that can cause really severe symptoms. Uh, fevers, body aches, headache, um, vomiting, cough. Um, but this one can be life-threatening, yeah. which is why we care so much about it. Any, okay. In anybody, like even like a healthy 20-year-old, it could be real bad. Okay. And then, um, so you talked about seasonal. So is it is it unique each time it comes back, like it's a different type of flu? So all the different, there's a bunch of different types of influenza. The kind that's going to be the most prevalent or dangerous that year is it's different every year, which is why it's kind of a, a guessing game that, that the people who make the vaccine have to play. They have to, like, kind of guess as best as they can. Like, it's, a, it's not like they don't just, like, grab somebody off the street. It's like, what do you think it's going to be? Like, they, they, they're making an estimated guess, but it's still a guess as to what they're vaccinating against. Um, but... Even if they don't get 100% right, it still makes it so that even if you were to get influenza, it would be, the symptoms wouldn't be as bad and you would get over it quicker. 
makes that make sense? Yeah. And then the way that it spreads is is that similar to besides the the fecal to a, to oral? Is that is that pretty is that it's, pretty similar to? Um, it's a sort of similar transmission, but we're we're looking at a lot of droplet transmission with with influenza. Coughs. Okay. Like like when you see somebody mist in the air after they sneeze or they cough, that's what's carrying it. And the and it all you have to do is touch it or breathe that mist in or or touch that drop and then touch your mouth and and you could potentially be infected with the influenza virus now. Yeah. The th difference between the two is the, the norovirus. That virus is stable in the environment for weeks versus uh, so that that poopy piece of whatever on the door handle, that's there for a long time until somebody comes and cleans it up. Uh, the, the influenza, more like hours to days as far as how long it can last in the in environment outside of your body. Okay. And then with... Um so, I mean, at a young age, I thought flu was just, like, super cold. So, kind of the symptoms between um, cold and flu, like, what kind of, were you start noticing, like, this is a different monster than just a cold? Uh, your, your common cold, first off, you can get the common cold multiple times per year. Most people will usually not get influenza every year, uh, unless you're really unlucky. Uh, your common cold is usually, like, your upper respiratory symptoms, like a runny nose, sore throat, sometimes a cough. Uh, and that's usually it. And the symptoms kind of build slowly. So you don't feel crummy um, until like three or four days in. Um, whereas influenza has very intense symptoms. Headaches, whole body aches, high fevers, cough, um, anorexia, which means you're not going to eat. And they usually begin pretty abruptly, if not, you know, immediately to start to finish, or they'll begin within the course of one day. Yeah, rapid, rapid and onset. But just to clarify, like, anorexia is what we say about anybody who doesn't have an appetite. It's not the, we're not talking about a behavior health problem. Just a, not to, not to muddle the water, but just to, like, yeah. that's just what yep. medical people say when somebody but, has no appetite. Thank you for explaining that for me. So does weather, so you talked about from, uh, what was it, February to... For the period for flu, usually when it comes uh, like November to January, February-ish. So does weather contribute a factor to it? Just allowing it to stay. I don't know the answer to that. I would suspect it's not the weather; it's how human beings behave when it's cold, more than anything else. Meaning, like you stay inside, huddle around warmth, which means you're around people more often as opposed to outside. But I'm I'm guessing just so that to make that clear. I don't I don't know why that is. I'm sure there's certain <clears throat> bugs out there that are more prevalent because of they're more stable in certain temperatures, but this I think it has more to do with the host, human beings, behavior. Okay. <laughs> but I feel like, is that a common misconception that people think, if I just go out in the cold, yeah, I'm sure, gonna get yeah. sick? I remember my grandma being like, you're gonna catch your death, uh, when I would like run outside in, the, in Washington State uh, without a, a jacket on in the wintertime, that kind of stuff. Yeah. All right, so um, talk about like what the neurovirus or what the flu, um, we kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, but what it can do to actual unit readiness. So you say take out like 10%, I mean 10% is a pretty big deal. It's, yeah, I mean here that would be, at this point in the deployment when we've already, every section, maybe except for you guys, has set home a certain amount of their, their people already, like 10% would be difficult and also we, Task Force Med, we probably couldn't realistically deal with anything but that for a while. It would, it would be overwhelming. Yeah. And those that 10% of people, if 10% did get sick, 
they could be no more than like 50 feet from a bathroom at any time. Yeah, that's so, the other part of that. Is, the... So you, we wouldn't be taking care of them exactly. We would be leaving water outside of their building and throwing uh, sanitary wipes uh, at them so they could clean off the door handles yeah. of their building and be like, don't, just like, don't look at me. Don't even look at me. I don't want to get sick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's a little old school, I guess, when it comes to, to treatment. But um, so as far as prevention goes, so I know we had a, a flu drive not too long ago. I guess it was maybe two months ago. Um, so how does how does Task Force Med help prevent soldiers from getting the flu? What are some of the, uh, the steps? Biggest thing for us so far has been the flu drive. And we got over 99% of people vaccinated here, which was huge. And then awareness. You, you have to know to wash your hands. You have yeah. to know to cover your cough. But honestly, I mean, there's onesies and twosies that I see not washing their hands, but for the overwhelming most part, compared to previous deployments, this entire task force has been like super conscious of hand washing. I, I haven't had to like really snap at anybody. I mean, snap's the wrong word, but last deployment, I, I like, it got to the point where I had to go to the brigade commander and be like, we need to have an intervention. And there were MPs at the DFAC making sure people wash their hands. Yeah. Um, but we haven't, we haven't had that problem. And then, um, so, you know, here it's a lot of, uh, a lot of the task force, they operate kind of indoors. They will go um, outside and kind of interact too. Um, but talk about maybe uh, some field, like if we were in the field, some preventative things we could do um, to make sure that we didn't get the flu or the norovirus. It all comes back to, to personal hygiene and hand washing, which is an A solution is the alcohol, like the the. Purell? You're thinking of Purell. Yeah, Purell. I couldn't use my words for a second. Thank you. Um, yeah, the alcohol hand sanitizer, but that, it does a pretty good job, but hand washing is always the best option. So, like, the, we've all seen that the, like, foot-pumped hand washing stations outside of latrines, or, like, the porta-potties, that's kind of the best thing. So, what, what's another method, too? Because I know a lot of people, you know, they'll, you'll touch the hand dispenser, you wash your hands and you touched, you know, you touch the top again and then maybe you grab the paper towels and then you're grabbing a door handle again. Which So what's something that you can kind of get around that? You could take the paper towel and grab the door handle and then throw the paper towel in the garbage can from, from there. Okay. But again, you rely on everybody else to wash their hands and, and obey the rules as well. Like this is, this falls in the category of kind of herd immunity, which I can't get into entirely. It's kind of self-explanatory. Like, mm -hmm. you're relying on everybody else to do the right thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's true. And then, um, so kind of go into a little bit more just some um, everyday precautionary stuff like I can do in, um, you know, you said Purell, um, some other stuff just while, while I'm indoors or I'm, I'm in my office. Coughing into your sleeve or sneezing into your sleeve, like, you know, I can't demonstrate on radio, but I think I used the right words. Uh, yeah. Um, we are hyper aware of this at Task Force Med, but I like wash my hands before and after almost every patient encounter, right? Um, if you're if you're sick, you should stay home too. There's no there's no need to try to be a hero, you know. So so the big thing is uh, resilience in the army that they always push. Yeah. So like when I get a little bit under the weather, I still kind of. You're like, oh, I'm okay to go to work, and I feel like that's a majority of people. Sure. Um, so what do you say to those people that are trying to, you know, push resiliency and then stick it out and go to work? I have a hard time with this 
partic in particular just because, uh, you know, the way doctors are trained are like, <laughs> you don't get sick days. Uh, you're coming to work whether you're sick or not, which is the be the wrong attitude, but I feel a little hypocritical saying that because it, you shouldn't come to work if you're sick, but at the same time, like, if you're well enough too, you probably should. Um, yeah, I could probably agree with that. Yeah. Like, it's not a measure of kind of how sick, it's just, uh, but still kind of be conscious of what you're doing, maybe alert um, people you're working with that, hey, I'm not feeling well. Yeah. This is actually, I think, where NCOs and first line leaders come into play, uh, because soldiers, I think, in general, will come to work even if they don't feel, even if they're just, like, you know, dying in front of you. So this is where, for the most part, uh, so I think this is where first line leaders come in and have the responsibility of saying, you don't look great. You know, we, we always use a different word for that. You look like fill in the blank. Uh, you need to go see the doc so you can get your quarters to go rest for 24, 48 hours, whatever it is. So I, I honestly, I would say this is more on, in the setting of the military, first line leaders to be paying attention to their soldiers. Okay. That, that makes sense. sense. And then going off that, um, like when flu shots were coming around, it's, it's important to make sure your soldiers are aware um, that they can go to get flu shots but there's still people that have people that have that. Um, I don't know. Just either they're scared of shots, they don't like getting shots, or there's the it's the myth that like um, because you're getting isn't it a dead virus um, that when you're getting the shot that oh I can get sick from it because it's still a virus. So people frequently have some symptoms of the flu after they get the flu shot. It's not because they have the flu. It's because that's their immune response to the. Uh, to the virus. That's that's just like a lot of times when you feel sick, it's not because of the bug, it's because of your immune response and to it. That's completely normal. We yeah. we want that to happen. Yeah. Cuz that's what saves you from getting the real flu. Feeling a little crappy for a day or two is way better than the alternative of ending up in an ICU which somewhere, which is I'm not I'm not being hyperbolic like that's a realistic thing. I've I've seen multiple patients on machines, young, healthy 20-year-olds on, on like breathing machines that are not only breathing for them but also pumping their blood because their heart and their lungs have essentially stopped because of uh, like influenza, which doesn't sound like much, but it can be, things can go the wrong way real quick. Do you think people kind of underestimate um, the flu? Because I mean, I, I would never think that the flu could actually kill you. I just, when I think of the flu, it's like, oh, it's going to take me out for a couple days. Um, I think, yeah, I think people are willing to blow it off because it's the flu a little bit more than they probably should. Like if you don't, if you don't feel good, it's time to, to come in and get seen. If you just feel cruddy from it though, it's okay to stay home. But if you're being like heroic, that's, it's not good. It's hard to, it's hard to give you like a, an actual like measurement of like at what point in your measurement of zero crappiness to hundred percent crappiness should you, Come in and get seen because everybody's subjective about that. But right. And then so let's say I did all the preventative measures, edited everything right, and then I still get s sick. So what should I do then? You should blame everyone around you. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> you have to go to the doctor. Yeah, yeah. you have to go to the doctor. And uh, and, and listen to what they say. Okay. And that's it? Yeah. <laughs> that's um, it. Just follow the instructions. There's, there's no cure for it. There's, there is a, a medication, we should probably talk about this, called Tamiflu. There's a couple others that are similar to it. 
Um, if, say, you have a flu virus that lasts six days, Tamiflu has the ability to um, reduce the course of it by about 12 hours, all right? So it's, it's got some side effects uh, to it as well. They're all basically more symptoms of the flu when you take it. The only people who should be getting Tamiflu, in my opinion, are people who are immunocompromised um, or are taking medications to, to reduce their immune system, like people on, like with organ transplants or who are, have cancer or who are just super old or super young. Um, but uh, none of those people are on Camp On Steel. So in my opinion, no one should, should get it. The, the side effects um, are not worth the reduction in, in symptoms. And then, so that's for the flu. So, what about the uh, neurovirus? So, what what should someone do? They get they have the neurovirus. What do they do? Listen to your doctor, obviously. Listen but. to your doctor. Um, isolate yourself so you don't make anyone else sick, uh, and you have to try and stay hydrated because that's the biggest thing that will make you feel even worse with the neurovirus. Uh, is just try to stay hydrated. So you need to sip on something that you like, like water or Sprite. Yeah. So for sure, in neurovirus, the reasons they come to the hospital are if you can't, we say tolerate PO, meaning you can't you can't swallow water. If you're vomiting constantly, you can't swallow water. So you need to come in to get an IV to get IV hydrated. Or if you just can't drink fast enough, if it's if it's the fluid is coming out of you from your various orifices faster than you can get it in, it's uh, you need to come in and get seen. Because that's, if you were to die from norovirus, it would be from dehydration, which would be the dumbest way to die ever uh, when you're in the environment we're in right now, where we have the capability of just throwing an IV in you and giving you a couple bags of fluid. Yeah, perfect. And then, um, so for foods, what foods are kind of, I know it's it's very difficult when you're in that situation, because usually, like you said, you're, you know, throwing up whatever you're eating. What what foods should you eat then when you uh, Well, or, or even for yourself, what are some, if you've ever had the flu before, what were some comfort foods that seem to work for you, or what do you, you recommend? There's what you was what's recommended, and there's then there's reality. So there's this thing called the brat diet, which is bread, rice, applesauce, and toast. And there's no recommended because they're all bland. But for me, whenever I'm sick, <clears throat> the only thing I want to eat it's been this way since I was a kid is pineapple pizza. And I'm sure that's controversial. That yeah, no, we're not gonna get in that at all. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's criminal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I, know, I know. If I went to Italy, they would murder me. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we don't put pineapple on pizza here, um, but that's very strange. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have anything to add to that. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't top. Pizza I can't top your weirdness. Yeah, <laughs> it's on anchovies. It's a fruit. <laughs> uh, uh, so, have you seen any changes in prevention or treatment uh, since you started your medical career, medical career, or since, let's say, you were really young? Um, how you're treated, um, would you treat yourself, I guess, the same way that you were treated as a child? Or is there something kind of new um, or something that you've seen changed over the years for, for flu or um, for norovirus? That's, uh, that's hard to answer in a politically correct way because I was raised by a nurse. Okay. Uh, who, which means if you're raised by somebody medical, it means you never go to the hospital. Um, right. um, yeah, so, my wheels are turning right now to try and think of what to say. Yeah, so um, if, you, if you ask yourself the question, should I go to the doctor, then yes. If you're asking, you should. That's what I tell people when I'm working in the ER back at home and somebody calls in and it's like, should I come see you? I was like, uh, 
Yeah, because I don't want to get sued. Um, I can't tell you no, because that means if I tell you no, that means you're going to die in your house. Uh, that's, just, and that's just the way, like... If anyone thought, like, my, you know, my kids aren't acting right, I wonder if I should take them to the doctor. Just take them to the doctor. I'd rather see 100 sick kids than one kid in a kid in a casket. You think you need to go to the doctor, and then you should... If you're asking yourself the question, should I go, you probably should just go. Yeah. Especially in this environment where it doesn't cost you anything. Yeah, that's very true. I remember, like, when I was younger and I got sick, my mom would do Sprite if it was an upset stomach. She would do Coca-Cola if I had a headache, which I never really understood. But I guess it's a placebo effect now because it works. Every time I get a headache, I'll drink a Coke, and then it helps me. Um, I don't, yeah. I don't caffeine? Know. There's caffeine in it. Yeah. Caffeine's good for headaches. Yeah, and then when I was super sick, it was blue Gatorade. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if it's just because when I'd yak, I guess it was fun when I was a kid. It's Is a blue color. I don't know. <laughs> what are your thoughts on blue Gatorade today? On um, blue Gatorade today? Um, that's an excellent question. They've got, I'm like, I'm more of a, I think it's white grape or white ice or whatever it's called. I've moved on with my yeah. choices. It used to be just yellow and orange, but now we've got so many different colors we can throw up when we're sick. Like yeah. yeah, I thought you were going to say you are into bang now or yeah. something. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> so it's a similar thing for when I was a kid, honestly. Like, my mom was big on Sprite or 7-Up. Um, do they still make 7-Up? Yeah. 7-Up's the thing. Okay. Uh, yeah. It depends where you're at. Yeah. All right. Uh, but anyway, the 7-Up was just for the kids, asking for the kids. Uh, yeah, 7-Up was a big thing when I was sick. And also tea. Um, I don't, I can't claim to have a color-coded childhood the same way as yours was, but, okay. um. I'm going to tell my mom you said that. That's a great way to describe the, the treatment she gave me. Yeah. I feel like she read something you in a magazine. It's like, it's like, ah, just making stuff up. <laughs> I don't, I don't really think I have anything to add to that. I, my childhood, uh, was never like that. I just, uh. Got yelled at and had to go to school, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah I, that's so, mostly the same. Yeah. <laughs> like, you feel bad? Everyone feels bad. Go to school. Mine was uh, Nick at night. I remember I'd always get sick and then sleep through the day and then watch, like, George Lopez reruns at the end, <laughs> the end of the night. All right, so I'm going to hit y'all with, we've gone over some of these, but 10 myths from Harvard Health Publishing. I'll ruin it for you. They're all myths, but kind of just throwing a little why it's a myth after. Sure. Number one, you can catch the flu from the vaccine. No. No. Not true. You may feel sick, but like I said, that's what we want. Boom. That's building your immunity. There are people who shouldn't get it, and it's not because we're really worried about it causing a problem. It's more because you might not mount the proper immune response to it um, or develop immunity from it. Like if you already, If you're already sick, your immune system is already like ramped up to fight stuff, so instead of developing immunity, you'll just kill the vaccine. Um, does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Uh, what was the question? It was it was healthy we, people. We answered it. Yeah, okay, right. yeah. yeah. Um, uh, it was healthy. I think we did. Yeah, healthy people don't need to be vaccinated. No, that was the next one we did. Well, so that's also well, so not, that's true. Also not yes. true. Yes. Um, everyone should be vaccinated as long as you're a good candidate for it. Um, because, like we kind of pointed out earlier, influenza can be really intense, and young, old, um, healthy, not healthy, anyone, anyone can die from it. The other part of this is that, that herd immunity kind of thing. Like, the, the more people who are immunized, the less likely it has a chance to, to spread, if that makes any sense. Particularly yeah. in people who are going to be 
in contact with a lot of other human beings, like um, healthcare workers, police, anybody in the military, um, you know, because we're on top of each other. Nobody lives normally like this in a barracks situation, right? Right. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, like military and homeless shelters, right? That's kind of... Yeah, and food service workers, food too. Food service workers. Food service workers. Not that they live in situations like this, but because yeah. they're dealing heavily food. Mm-hmm. I'm not judging food service workers, having been with myself. Um, but go ahead. Okay, third one. Uh, getting the flu vaccination is all you need to do to protect yourself from the flu. Wash them hands. Yeah. Yeah. Cough into your armpit or your sleeve or something. I wish I could. That would be interesting if I yeah, could cough in my armpit. Like, tell, yeah, you, tell your armpit a secret. Yeah. <clears throat> By my ear next. next. Uh, number four. <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, number four, the flu is just a bad cold, which I brought up earlier because that's, that's all I've ever known it to be. Um, um, it can it, just be a bad cold, but uh, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't advertise that. I, like, it's, you're concerned about when it gets real, real bad. Yeah, I could, I'll go with that. Okay. Okay. Number five. You can't spread the flu if you're feeling well. No, uh, you're, you can still be shedding virus before you start feeling bad and for a little while after you start feeling good again. Okay. Could also like pick up something and then move it, I guess. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah it's true. Yeah. Um, number six, you don't need a flu shot every year. Well, I mean, if you're in the Army, that's the Army says something else about that, but I would recommend to anyone that's eligible to get a flu shot um, to get one because that's how we protect the very young and the very old within our community and protect each other. Okay, and then number seven, we talked about this earlier. Uh, he debunked it for me. Uh, you can catch the flu from going out in the cold weather without proper uh, cold weather gear. So it's not really related. It's, it's all about the, the proper cold weather here. Yeah. And then uh, number eight, I've never heard this before, but apparently it's a very common saying, is feed a cold starve a fever. I've heard that before as well. Do you want to? I've never heard that actually. Yeah, I'm so not sure. That's all baloney. Um, you, you never want to not eat when you're sick. That's the most ridiculous thing. Um, you want to eat if you, if, and whatever it is that sounds good, honestly, like I mean, unless it's your, what sounds good as non-food items, like don't eat dirt, um, but. Groundbreaking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe this is uh, a little unrelated too, but um, like people that like to bundle up all their kids in like 25 layers when they have a fever to like, to, to sweat, sweat the fever out, out yeah. that's also false. You're not advised to do just that. dehydrating our kids. Yeah, you're just trying, you're just leading to higher mortality rates when you do that. That's interesting, because, like, if I feel kind of sick and there's, like, a sauna or something, I'll go to the sauna. Yeah. Probably should. I'm doing everything absolutely wrong besides yeah. the color-coded. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I still have blue Gatorade, so it's all good. Uh, number nine, chicken soup will speed your recovery from the flu to, I guess, compared to regular soup. I tend to... So, this is an old wives tale that I actually kind of submit to. Um, uh, there's no evidence behind it, but I mean, it's like, is chicken soup better than other types of soup? Not necessarily, but it's, it's bland, it's not spicy, it's got protein and carbohydrates and vegetables. It's just a, it, and lots of salt, because you're losing salt because you're sweating and 
It's soothing too. Like yeah. when when you eat soup, it's yeah. it's pretty nice. It's more about just getting calories in your body, but chicken soup is. I think Campbell's has made their entire marketing around this claim. Yeah. Good for them. We've already created enough libel on this episode. So. Yeah, we'll, we'll use that for another podcast yeah. that we'll start up. Um, so number 10, the last one. If you have a high fever with the flu that lasts more than a day or two, antibiotics, antibiotics may be necessary. I almost read that, like how it spells out. That was almost weird. There's no. Oh. No. No. Uh, you kind of hesitated there. Well, it's like a very sp specific <laughs> situation, which is not helpful for me to even talk about in this this case. Um, so no. Okay, that is all the myths. They've been debunked. Um, is there anything y'all'd like to add? Just anything, maybe to to summarize. Obviously, wash your hands and be a good person when you go to the bathroom. Do all the necessary <laughs> steps. Let's emphasize that. Let's wash our hands really well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even if you don't poke your finger through the toilet paper, you still have to wash your hands. That's true. Down, super yeah. <laughs> yeah, just wash your hands. Just wash your hands. <laughs> Every, time. Every time. Every time you walk past the bathroom, wash your hands. You don't even look at it. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, that's everything I had. Um, if you, we also, I forgot to mention this earlier, um, if you'd like to check out um, what K4 Task Force Med is doing here, you can go on dividshub.net. Um, we have uh, Behavioral Health's uh, Major Pittman wrote an article about K4's flu vaccines comes to Kosovo about the flu drive. Um, you can check us out on Instagram at k4.rce and Facebook at K4 Regional Command East. If you'd like more information on methods of prevention for the flu or norovirus, be sure to check out cdc.gov. I'd like to thank my guests for joining me today, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. Absolutely. I'm Sergeant Grant Ligon, and this has been a Rocker Something podcast.